All right, so is this an odd or even? Who's starting um, this thing? I think it's you. I think we're on rotation. Nine. I think we're, just, we're recording nine, oh, yeah, so it would be nine. you. Okay. Let me confirm the number. Episode eight was preaching. And you introed that one. No big deal, just over here listening to our own podcast. Or churches. Oh, that was the end of it. Oh. I really want to do that. It's free. and you Is can this how we record on. repeats? I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like if we do a repeat, we're going to record the entire thing into a microphone. Do I listen to our podcast at one and a half speed. What? I listen to this. it at half speed. <laughs> so here's how I listen to it. There's a manipulating you through the way they through the algorithms and the way they do it. There's a really interesting piece that aired on 60 Minutes one or two weeks ago. If you would have looked that up, social media. Uh, that's rusty at one and a half speed. Actually, that's on, real uh, speed, and we slow it down page, before we uh, upload it. And here it is. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah, here it is at twice the speed. Interesting and shocking thing to realize that we are being manipulated by these people. Crossway has just released a new book, also called Twelve Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. I'm gonna yeah, listen I to it like it. I didn't know that was a thing. But that if you, you listen, do. but it doesn't change the pitch. Yeah, so it doesn't change the pitch of your voice. So then we just sound drunk. Here's half speed. But same thing that, <laughs> that these companies, cell phone companies and social media companies are, they're changing our brains because how, how we oh, operate and, and they know it. And they're they taking know advantage it. of it. And one more thing we need to talk about before we kind of transition into I don't want my deacons to hear this, man. Social media is just the aspect of wasting time. Stop it. Make it stop. Let's just start the real podcast. Everybody, welcome to the one hour a week podcast, a 30 minute podcast about life and ministry. I'm Rusty Mott here with Jared Hallier. Hey, everybody. That's all you got? That's it. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> good afternoon, everyone, ladies and gentlemen. Greetings and salutations. Hello, hello, hello. So it is episode nine, and we are very excited today. We have got some special guests in studio, and we're going to bring that up in a second. But until then, in studio, they will be quiet in Rusty's living room. So is where we, are. we don't have a studio. Yeah, we do. Studio one fifty six. That's his address. My address. <laughs> don't say the street name. We don't want fans coming here, <laughs> knocking down the door all, of your house. All dozens that are listening coming over to Rusty's directions cookies. are just take the circle and look for the Astros sign hanging by the door. And by Astros sign, he means an eight inch by twelve inch tiny little canvas flag hey. hanging by the front door. <laughs> you can't miss it. So hey, listen. Before we really get off and running on this episode, we need to tell you about something really exciting. We are doing a giveaway. Jared, tell them all about it. Yes, we are going to give two listeners the chance to win two Starbucks gift cards in honor of Mother's Day coming up this next week, which we hope that you remember. Uh, two of our listeners are going to win two Starbucks gift cards. So we are giving away a total of four, and two of you will win two of them. One on Facebook, one on Twitter. Here's how you can enter. We want you to share this podcast with three friends. So what you're going to do is just hit the share button, tag three of your friends in uh, the link so that we know that you are sharing this with people and that will get you entered in the contest. And then on Mother's Day, we will jump on our social media feeds on Twitter and Facebook and announce the winners of those Starbucks cards. 
So one for one of our Twitter followers and one for one of our Facebook followers. So do that and we will announce the winners and we are very excited to do that. Mother's Day is coming up, man. Can you believe it? It's it's uh, that time of year again. Didn't we just have a Mother's Day last year? I think so. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it rolls around again. And Mother's Day, it's important to know, is probably the second most important holiday of the year. After? Father's Day. What about Christmas and Easter there, Pastor oh, Rusty? <laughs> man. Actually, true story, every year for our children's sermon, I usually do the Mother's Day time. That's when I recognize our moms during mm-hmm. the children's sermon. And every year I say, did you guys know that Mother's Day is the second most important holiday of the year? And the whole church is like leaning in like, oh, they're expecting you to be like the birth of Christ Mm -hmm. or the resurrection. And I'm like, because the first one's Father's Day. And like the whole congregation is like, they love it every year. Every year year they fall for it. It's it's great. (laughs) I'm hoping that like 30 years from now that they still will be shocked and appalled by that joke on Mother's Day. They're going to love it. That one chauvinist in the back goes, yeah, get him. Get him, brother. We are really excited today because we have, for the second time in the history of this long, long, mini-episode, long-tenured podcast. Episode nine. Episode nine. <laughs> Not even double digits yet. Yeah. We we'll have guests with us today, and we're so excited to have with us. Are you ready? I mean, the suspense has to be killing our listeners. They probably hit the fast-forward button already. Our guests today are our wonderful wives. Our lovely wives. Give it up. <laughs> well, nobody. Hey, nobody clap. Remember to insert. You aren't supposed to clap for yourself. Yeah, remember to insert some sound effects. This there. is where we need Daniel Begno oh, to have yeah. the sound effects <laughs> drop. Where you at, Begno? We'll Get over you. here, man. I'll call you Daniel. Say hi, ladies. Hi. That's Elizabeth, my wife. Hi. It's my wife, Mallory, and they are super excited to be on the podcast. I'm on telling the what? you. The podcast. The podcast. Super excited to be on the podcast. They're also very nervous. Yeah. Talk into them. Are you nervous, yes. Elizabeth? Yes, I am. So, I think Mallory, I just how are you currently feeling about being on the podcast? I'm kind of nervous about it. All right, there you go. <laughs> A woman of many words. So, hey. but we wanted to talk about what it looks like and what life is for a wife in ministry. And I know many of you listening out there, uh, whether you be bivocational, even lay leaders in the church, uh, there is a real toll that can be taken on a family when you are in ministry. And we want to just kind of talk about some healthy rhythms of life that you can have as a family and some of the dangers that occur for families that are in ministry, not only for the pastoral side of that, we've talked about it, but we wanted to bring the ladies in and and let them kind of speak to what it looks like to serve as the wife of a pastor and to serve in ministry and find your niche in the church and what it looks like to serve and be a part of the body when you are in what really is not a hired or even defined position, but I don't think anybody would argue that the pastor's wife is not kind of a deal in the church. Like they are viewed differently and looked at differently. So uh, we want to just kind of get their thoughts on that and talk about that a little bit together today. Well, let's start here, Mallory. How long have you guys been married? Where did y'all meet? Let's start with that little. We've been married for about five and a half years. Was Rusty in ministry already when y'all met and got married? Yes. He was the music minister and got moved to associate pastor while we were dating. That was at Freeman Heights? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, at Freeman Heights. We met, Liz, you tell the story. Oh, so sweet. We met in college. 
We were young pups. <laughs> I like how you said, oh, so sweet. You said three words. <laughs> we meet college. <laughs> I did not say that. Good story ever. <laughs> We've been married 12 years this next weekend. Mother's right. Day Day will be our anniversary. I um, totally knew that. Didn't forget at all. <laughs> good, good. And we met in college. See, I've got us doubled up on years. And I was on staff when we were engaged, youth pastor at Crossroads Baptist Church. Yes, we got engaged at youth camp. This is true. Nice. Yep, last night of camp, everybody circled up and I was thanking all the sponsors that went. Mm-hmm. I thanked Elizabeth last and pulled a ring out of my backpack. Ditto. Pretty smooth. So both of us, it sounds like, uh, our relationship started, we started dating, and even when we got married, kind of came into ministry together. And the reality is, I, I know for me, I was already working multiple jobs and working. We had stuff literally every night of the week, except for Friday and Saturday. I was out doing something for the church or for the ministries that I worked with. Well, Mallory just kind of like came into that. We started dating, got married, and all of that was normal for us. And it really wasn't until we had kids that we realized that's probably not a healthy rhythm for our family. Like that's probably not the wisest way to spend our time but we didn't really know because that is all we'd ever right. known. So I don't know if y'all kind of experienced that too. Well, Mallory, was that ever a consideration before you even got engaged? Did you ever have a moment where you looked at the way he was living? I mean, just the way ministry no. life went and went, wait a minute. It was kind of just our extracurricular. We didn't do other things other than church. And so it wasn't weird because that's just where we spent our time and where we hung out. And then... Like he said, it didn't really change until we had kids and realized it's kind of hard staying out that late with kids. And we kind of got to stay home. So I would stay home with the babies. And we still have some of that now because especially Sunday and Wednesday nights, I mean, I've mentioned on here before that our commute from church to home is an hour. And strange enough, my commute from home to church is an hour too. Both directions, it's the same wow. distance. Crazy man, weird. Uh, and so Sunday and Wednesday nights, especially because you know I stay up at the church to clean up, lock up, and all that kind of stuff. And Liz takes the kids home, and so I know for you it makes for some late makes long for some nights. Tough too. nights, yes. So, how did you guys, as you had kids, and again, y'all have been married twice as long as us, and we how, y'all are the old married couple in this room, so the question for me is, how did y'all work to develop intentionality and spending time together as a family and setting those boundaries between what you do for the church and how you guard that family time? When I was pregnant with Sam, we read, you know, all the books. Um, all of them, literally all the books. every all book the books. written. Yes, all of them. I have a wealth of knowledge. She did. <laughs> and then I dog-eared pages for him to read. Yeah. But we read, oh, what was it called? Baby Wise. Baby Wise, yes. Did you read Baby Wise? We did do Baby Wise. We did Baby Wise as it well. great. But one of the yeah. um, biggest things it talked about was, like, your world doesn't stop just because you have a baby. And your your life doesn't change. Your baby is a part of your family. And so... We tried to just incorporate that the best we could, you know, to still do ministry, but we have a baby with us and the baby's going to come with us. So if it's not something that the baby can do or whatever, and I think everybody's really understanding, but at our at our church, Sam was the first baby to come along. I mean, yeah. like we had to update nursery furniture for him. <laughs> and so we're, I think everybody's really- Not where we really, currently are, but- not, at, Yeah, yeah, at our first church. church. Yeah. Um, and so everybody was really excited about that and everybody was very- to me, I felt like understanding. So I don't, I don't really feel like it was a huge transition until probably until we had two kids. And then it was like, 
we were knocked out of orbit. I but think. Elizabeth, two is kids, what's crazy? A lot better than I am about. Thank you. <laughs> in so many ways, she's a lot better than I am about. Thank y'all for listening. <laughs> being able to take a step back and and point out to me, hey, you need to take a day off. You need to come home earlier than you had planned to tonight. Your kids need to see. You. So she's. It's good to have her. I'm on really a, bossy. Is what you saying? <laughs> no, I'm saying that I'm in the church and in the ministry, and so I kind of get tunnel vision because it is my job, but also it's ministry. So we look at it different. And you're really good about being a fresh set of eyes from a different perspective and pointing out, you know, for example, a couple of weeks ago where I preached on a Sunday and then we had stuff every day of the week at the church and then I had a weekend event and all of a sudden it's nine or 10 days and you said, you're staying home tomorrow. Like you're not going to the office, just call in. You're going to stay home and you're going to cook dinner, which I like to do, <laughs> by the way. It's not like her bossing me around. I really I like, like a jerk. But no, but that you're going to be home and we're going to come home and have family dinner and play in the yard with the kids and- yeah. So as far as the intentionality, she's a lot better at that than I am. Well, I think our kids, the older that they get, the more their personalities are like that. Our oldest son needs to be at home a lot. Um, he likes to go and do, and he likes to stay at grandparents, and he likes to do all that stuff. But he's really quick to say, can we just stay at home? And that's kind of when I know, okay, we, we all need to stay at home. We all need to just take a break. So... Rusty, you mentioned earlier you used the phrase unhealthy rhythm because y'all were doing something every night of the week. So I assume that y'all have made some changes for the better. Yeah, I, I would say for us, Etta came along with a whole crop of <laughs> babies at Cornerstone. So our church has actually- like an Octomom situation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, all different families, but a lot of babies in the, the nursery. So we had to do some updating just to accommodate for how many babies that they were having at one time. And it was- a good season for us, but oddly enough, our church has been very supportive and really the church has been better at managing me in that regard than we have as a family. Like I will go, go, go. And they'll be like, Hey man, you had a baby. Like you're not <laughs> preaching Sunday. And I'm like, I got a sermon ready. And they're like, no, your, your baby's in the neonatal ICU. Just stay there. You know? And I'm like, I'm ready. So it's kind of weird. I, I, Mallory, I don't know if you have some thoughts on that, but the church has been better at guarding that than we have. And it's been very helpful. I would definitely say that the church has been good about that. We haven't, I haven't ever had to stop down and tell him like, Hey, you need to take a day off. But Etta is more of a going kid. And so on the days, like Fridays are his days off and Fridays are kind of our family days that she knows daddy stays home today. But every once in a while, he'll have to do a hospital visit or make some home visits on Friday or something like that. But he'll take Etta with him and she loves that. Oh that's yeah, the and that's of her neat week. from both perspectives because I know the person you're going to visit loves it. They prefer Etta to me anyway. <laughs> yeah, she's so. way more personable than yeah. you. Yeah, and... I think for me, guarding my day off has become a better priority as Etta has gotten gotten older. Yeah. And I realize she straight up loves my day off. Like when I say, hey, guess what tomorrow is? She's like, Friday. And the first thing she says, it used to be donuts. <laughs> like that was <laughs> donuts. Like now it's it's moved from donuts to daddy staying home. So it's hard on days like even today. I ended up probably putting about a half day of work in. Um, and it's disappointing for me because I know she's so excited about me being at home to be like, okay, but I got to go do some work. And she's kind of, oh. Yeah. So now that they're, you know, the kids are older and they're not just crawling around going, oh, it makes it a little <laughs> more difficult for me to ignore them. 
Well, and there was a generation before us or maybe two generations before us that was totally the opposite. I mean, that's where you get the rebellious pastor's kid where they don't like the church and they don't like the things of the Lord because dad was never home and he was married to the church and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm grateful that, you know, while I hate that for one generation, it's bearing fruit for guys like us who are young families and getting- I think I can speak for y'all in our position as well. Our kids are extremely loved by their church. Yeah. And we're very thankful for that. Church is not a burden to them. Mm-hmm. And I pray it never does. But right now, church is a fun place for them. They yeah. love going. They enjoy it. The people love them there. Well, let's shift away from kids in ministry and talk about wives in ministry for yeah. a minute. Uh, do you gals, I know that another one of the old stereotypes is that the pastor's wife has to play the piano and lead, you know, be in the choir, lead the children's ministry, working on and on and on. Have y'all ever felt any undue pressure or expectations from the church family because you're married to church staff, to pastors? I don't at our church. They're pretty good about it. I also lead enough. I like doing kids ministry and I've always done it. Before Rusty and I met, I did kids ministry. So that was kind of a natural thing for me to step into. So I don't think that they've gotten... I don't think I've gotten lazy enough in the church yet for them to step in and say, hey, you need to do something. Pull your weight there, Mel. When we got engaged, there was a couple of ladies because our pastor's wife in Garland plays the piano for the church and has since they've been there. And so when we got engaged, there was a couple of people that were like, oh, you're gonna learn how to play the piano now, right? No, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I don't think I ever felt pressure from other people as much as I put it on myself because of the stereotypes and... I just was really, especially at our first church, I was really, because we're so young, I was really insecure and I thought, well, I don't play the piano, so I must, you know, I need to learn to play the piano. And I tried for like a, a week. A week. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, not gonna happen. Um, but Jared was really good about talking to the pastor search committee and things like that. He was very um, forthcoming with saying, my family is first. And at that point it was just the two of us, but... You know, it was first. And, you know, my wife is my wife and she's married to me, but she has her own calling and she has her own ministries. I don't ever want you guys to put a burden on her. I want her to do what she feels called to do. And and I never did. I've never felt, I've never felt that from anyone. It's always been something that I've put on myself. I also feel like as I've become a mother and my kids are getting older, my heart has changed from kids ministry, which is where I'd always served to just ministering to other moms because I realized that, you know, that can be a lonely place sometimes. Rusty's was the same way whenever we did our search team and stuff like that. But the church was good about that, about not giving an expectation of what I need to do. But the same thing when I put the expectation on myself, Mm -hmm. what do I need to be doing as a pastor's wife? You're a church member. It's not, there's nothing special for me to do. It's not a job title for me. You're a church member and you find somewhere that you fit in to serve. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging for me to hear from y'all that, because I mean, because y'all are patting me and Rusty on the back. Like, <laughs> I'm, I mean it. Like, I, I appreciate hearing. Well, <laughs> that's just the kind of husbands we are, man. <laughs> well, I don't ever want to be the guy who comes home as the pastor and looks at his wife and says, hey, you need to be, you need to be stepping up here and here and here because people are expecting you to. Well, can I can I just uh, take myself down a notch after using my <laughs> feel pretty good about myself voice a second ago? She probably, it's not pressure that the church puts on her, but 
I will confess there have been times where I know the church would not let me take something on, but I've given it to her as an assignment because it has to be done well and yeah. I trust her to do it well over other people that I don't yeah. think will do it as well. That's kind of messed up, but I've been like, shady. No. I've been like, hey, guess what? You're the new children's director, <laughs> you know, like stuff. And and she does obviously is gifted in it. Sure. And and our thing that we we when we got here, I wanted our church to be able to know, and this is what we talked about together, to know that that Mallory is serving and working in the church, but. I was very protective for the first couple of years of her being in any kind of leadership position where people could throw darts at her. her. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted them to know, yeah, she's changing diapers and sweeping the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and so what are you going to say about that? You know, but now over time, God has kind of called her into some ministries where she is leading out and doing more. And, and I see how God's blessing that and has blessed those ministries that um, she's felt called to do. Because when God calls, he equips the person he calls to do what he's called him to do. And it is a joy to be able to serve alongside my spouse, to know that she's, she's a good church member. I mean, even if Elizabeth and I weren't married, if I was the pastor there and she was one of our church members, she's a good church member. She's willing and eager and faithful. And if we weren't married, maybe she'd be at a different church. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. If y'all weren't married, I'd be like, hey, Jared, what do you think about that Liz girl? I think Who? you two would hit it off. Yeah. Oh, but she's a member at, anyway. Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, I'm, in, I'm encouraged by her willingness. Her willingness, that's the thing, is, is she doesn't do it because she feels like she has to because she's married to one of the pastors, but she's a willing church member. Thanks, boo. <laughs> so one of the questions that we, when we talked about having our wives here on the podcast, we wanted to ask about what are some of the things that we do as ministers and leaders in ministry that are beneficial for our families, that are helpful, but also when we get done with that, we'll talk about the other side of the coin. What are some things we do that, that we probably should improve on and that could help our families? Because there's such a huge generation of children that grew up in ministry and that felt like their fathers offered their families on the altar of the church. I feel like this generation of pastors growing up does a really good job of involving the whole family. So instead of, well, daddy has to leave because he has to go on a hospital visit or whatever, it's, you know, bringing kids with us or it's telling them, hey, so-and-so's in the hospital and I'm going to go visit with them, and I'm going to go pray with them. And so I feel like it's, it's kind of opening, it's opening the whole family, opening their eyes to like what ministry really looks like. It's not just daddy standing up preaching on Sunday mornings or Sunday nights, but ministry is about day-to-day sacrifice and giving and serving and how that's not just something for one person to do. It's something that everybody can be involved in. So I feel like that's, that's something that's kind of shifted with generations, I feel like. I like what you were saying because it's kind of, it's not just daddy's called to ministry, it's right. we are called to ministry. And I've, I've talked to a lot of young pastors and young ministers who struggle with that and their, their wives are very protective and almost overbearing with them about uh, how they manage their time with the church. And what I always tell pastors thinking about going into ministry and people feeling called to ministry is not that your wife has to be quote called to ministry, but that 
they are called to serve and that they understand this is a family investment, mm-hmm. that the whole family's involved in ministry and the ministry is not going to be successful if it's, if it's just daddy's job, but it has to be the family's calling. So that's really cool to see how God's worked that out in y'all's family. And I like to bring my kids to the office, you know, summer vacations and stuff, kind of like I got to do when I was a kid growing up in the church. I like to bring my kids down there and just let them play at the church or we have a, a group of ladies that meets at our church on Wednesday mornings and makes quilts for local ministries. And my daughter, Emma, goes in there with them and she plays around with them and, and she plays in the gym, but she'll sit on their laps and make quilts and eat their cookie. But I just like for my kids to have positive associations with the church, the, the people of the church and the buildings and just everything we have going on. And in order for those kids to have those positive connections, they have to be involved. Daddy can't go down there by himself and say, y'all wait here while I go to work. You have to bring the kids in. Yeah, like it's not, we go to church on Wednesdays and Sundays and then that's it. It's like the church is an extension of their life, just like their house. I mean, they're just as comfortable. Oh yeah. Oh geez, they're so comfortable at church. They literally climb the walls and they know where all the snacks are. And But it's not. PKs, man. <laughs> but they are themselves, you know, they are themselves. And it's just another extension of the home to them. What about Rusty, Mallory? What does he do well? Well, to build on that, kind of that same idea, my answer to that was going to be that we try to give the positive to our kids. So there are obviously hard days in ministry too, but we don't really bring that. Rusty is good about not bringing that home to the kids and to the family. When he comes home, it's not, He's not dwelling on that with the kids and they don't hear about any of the hard things that he's having to deal with at the church because that can give a negative impact Mm -hmm. to your kids by this church member was not nice to daddy or whatever. And so we talked about that before we ever had kids and he's done a good job of, of keeping that. I mean, I don't even usually know when somebody's upset at him and that's an that's a healthy thing for us because it's easy to get protective of your spouse in those situations and not having to because I don't know and the kids don't know. So let's go to the other side of the coin now. Those are some ways that we're doing well, but this is your chance to be honest with us, recorded for you know the dozens, the literally dozens of people who listen. So what are some ways that we can do better? We serve the church, but we want to serve our families well also. So what are some ways that we can improve the balance between ministry and family, home and church? I think probably the hardest thing for me is, you know, when you're at church, you kind of have to be on. You, you don't really, when you're having a bad day, you don't just get to act like you're having a bad day. You're supposed to still be pretty, pretty positive. And so I think sometimes the struggle is when you're at home, you can kind of let that guard down. And so even though, you're not having negative talk and you're not necessarily sharing the frustrations, especially in front of kids um, because Jared doesn't do that. I think it's hard because your home is your safe place and you you don't want to feel like you have to be on all the time. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like your your family, they kind of get what's left over. And that's not just in ministry. I mean, even in teaching, I feel like I give all of my patience to 20 other people's kids, you know? And then when I get home, I'm spent and I'm done. And sometimes I feel, I feel like it's an unfair, it's, it's just unfair because we're giving 
giving all to someone else and then the people closest to us, they get what's left. And not that it's all the time, it's just sometimes. And, that's, and it's hard. I'll admit that, that because like you said, when, you're, when we're at church, we are on. We flip the switch and we're shaking hands, kissing babies. And so, but you're right. I don't, when I come home, sometimes my tendency is to go too far to the off switch and just kind of shut down completely. And I'm sure that I could do a better job. I would say that's true as well for us because I stay at home with toddlers all day. So when he gets home, sometimes I'm ready to talk and have like grown-up conversation <laughs> instead of telling a three-year-old no all day and pulling a one-year-old out of the dog food. And he'll get home and he's done. tired he's done. of people mm-hmm. and tired of conversation <laughs> and tired of talking, which is understandable, not because he doesn't want to talk to me, but because he's just conversationed out. And so I would say that's true for us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just y'all hit the nail on the head. And it it just takes for us and for other ministry leaders out there listening, we just have to be more intentional because it is, I'm peopled out when I get home. And just like Mallory said, she's, you know, ready to interact with adults and I'm tired of adulting when (laughs) I get home. So it is a it is a struggle. So I think how we utilize our time off is helpful for that. I think I can be a little selfish with my time mm-hmm. off. On my day off, I just want to hide and read somewhere. Well, I had to do it last night. We, we got home from school and work, and the kids all wanted to go to the park, and I just didn't want to leave the house. And so I went and I laid down for a few minutes, and I had a convicting moment where I thought, you know, your kids have been talking for an hour since we got home about wanting to go to the park. So I got up and put my shoes on and said, all right, let's go to the park. What a guy. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I wasn't thrilled about it, but I'm glad we did because the kids wanted to. And like you said, I didn't shame on me for being, for being tempted to be selfish with my time. This was a rare occasion where I fought off the temptation and did the right thing. <laughs> so as we kind of work towards wrapping this thing up, I, I would like you ladies just to give maybe a word of encouragement to the other ministry wives and women in ministry out there who might just need a word of encouragement. You are both in the trenches, uh, whether it be teaching, uh, staying at home with kiddos, but at the same time, dealing with guys like us. Uh, <laughs> and there's you know dozens of people listening that are just like us, and perhaps their wives will listen to this episode, maybe for the first time, and maybe some of you have been listening. But uh, what could you ladies just say to kind of encourage them to, to keep it up and be encouraged today? I would say just to be encouraged in ministry as your family, not necessarily as a pastor's wife, but as a mom taking, I know Liz and I were talking earlier about reading the Paul Tripp parenting book, but being about bringing the gospel into your family. And that's not just for ministers and ministers' wives, but for everybody that you have to treat your family as a ministry. And when you treat your family as a ministry, then that kind of blends into the church and not just as being a separate entity. Oh, that was great. That was. The bar is set high, Elizabeth. I know. Woo. I hope, I hope I your plan wasn't to share a banana bread recipe. <laughs> I don't share that. I only bake it. She um, slowly puts a, puts a recipe card back in her pocket. <laughs> Nervously. <laughs> I feel like probably um, just not to forsake your calling, not to look at it like I'm not doing enough. I know the trap is to think, well, I'm not, I'm not a missionary overseas or I haven't started this 
food pantry in my community, or I haven't done these big things, so I must not be doing big things for God. And I don't, I don't think that that's what it looks like. I think it looks like loving your family and serving your church and serving your community. And so I think that sometimes, especially ministers' wives, and just I think a lot of times just women in ministry in general, we think that we're not doing enough. Nothing, you know, it's never enough. Where you are and what God has called you to do right now is enough. All you have to do is, um, is serve God where you are. Your mission field is in between your two feet. Oh, that wasn't good. my quote. That Holy cow, you ladies just killed it. <laughs> Again, my greatest fear is coming to reality. Next week, this is going to be, yeah. hey, y'all, welcome to the One Hour Week podcast with Liz and Mallory. We've taken over. <laughs> Rusty and Jared, a thousand the people, in the corners a of the A thousand room. people download it and listen Ugh. to it, and it becomes a huge deal. We're going to edit out all that yeah. good stuff. <laughs> my good, yeah. We want this pod, make this podcast suck again. <laughs> I really appreciate both of y'all coming and hanging out with us. I mean, uh, more than you already have to. Uh, <laughs> and it's been very beneficial. And I hope that our listeners out there have been encouraged by this. Listen, you may be listening. In fact, I, I know for a fact, we've got several guys listening who are college guys uh, feeling called to ministry that aren't married at this point. And hey, if that's you, uh, you need to already start implementing the things in your life now that will be around when you are married. And I think it's important to right now start setting the boundaries in your life. Right now start being a man of the word so you can lead your family in the word. It's important to start those habits now because I promise you this, I remember back in the day I used to think, well, when I get married, it'll be easier to do this and that and this. And then when I have kids, it'll be, no, the habits you're starting now are gonna carry over into your family one day. So be diligent. And on behalf of pastors and youth ministers and Sunday school teachers and just men in ministry everywhere. Ladies, thank you. We are better for you. In fact, in the book of Genesis, God created stuff and it was good and it was good and it was good. And the very first thing in the Bible where God said, this is not good is when he said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so we are better people and better Christians and better servants because of the women in our lives. And Liz, I love you. I love you too. Rusty, I love you. <laughs> Mallory, I love you in the Lord in a totally platonic way. <laughs> so happy Mother's Day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the One Hour a Week podcast. Want to remind you one more time, Jared? Don't forget this week you have one week to enter to win those Starbucks gift cards. There will be a winner from Facebook and a winner from Twitter. All you have to do is share this podcast and tag three friends in it. When we see that you've done that, your name will go into the hat and two people will win two Starbucks gift cards. Winners announced on Mother's Day. Be sure and follow Rusty on Twitter at BroRustyMont. And also be sure to follow Mr. Jared Hollier at Jared Hollier. And follow us at Our A Week Pod. Check us out online, www.ourweekpodcast.com. And thank you, as always, to our audio engineer. You can follow him on Twitter at, is this Pato? Is this Pato? Is, is this Pato? Is this Pato? <laughs> I can't go any higher. Just try to go. Uh, it's, we're like a Southern Gospel Quartet. We're just going to keep changing the key until one is of our voices cracks. I was the bass guy. <laughs> that was good. On that note, thanks for listening. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. My mom does not listen to the podcast. Does your mom listen? I, I think my mom kind of pretends she listens to the podcast, but she doesn't. I'm going to make her listen to this one. My, my mom asked what time we came on. <laughs> did she really? She did. So good. Well, listen, mom, happy Mother's Day. Ladies, happy Mother's Day. We heart moms all the way around. So getting weird. Wrap it up. 
Drop the mic. 